it. Still fights out of it. Now throws it deep downfield. Tyree, who makes the catch. At the 23 yard line. What a play by Manning. And what a catch by Tyree. Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. Welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. I'm your host, David Tyree. Thank you for checking in. Another week where we're always going through the process, the journey, the pain points that's going to get you to your next moment. Listen, folks, I'm super excited. This is friends. This is family. And this is really a high caliber individual that's checking in with me. VP of NFL Development, 12 years in the National Football League. Roman Oban, thank you for checking in with your boy. Thank you, brother. How you doing today, man? Man, 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 I'm doing good, man. Just in the lab, grinding. And, um, man, just excited to, you know, check in with what's new. Actually, why don't we just actually start off there, man? Like, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of approaching this 2022 NFL season. What's, what's new for you? What's new in your life? I know what you're doing in your role, but, like, what's, what's, what are you excited about as, as we're approaching this, this season? Well, just to see the, uh, you know, last year you saw people in the stadium, uh, back in the stadium again. Absolutely. And now, I, I wouldn't say two years past pandemic, two years through the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing how, like, with the with the extra, with the extra game, the 17-game season, yeah. how teams manage that. Um, you, you look at additions to the practice squad, you got more practice squad guys now. Um, and just seeing who, you know, who comes back. Like, I'm a, I'm a Louisville guy, so I, there you go. I, I root for Lamar Jackson. I want him to, you know, just, just that black quarterback leading an organization, leading a franchise. So I root for the young guy, and man, and, um, and just, just continue success, man. And, and I think personally, my youngest um, is in college now. So Andre's at Purdue. My older son is at Duke. He's, he'll be a retro junior. So nice. we, we're empty now. We got, you know, got my mother-in-law staying with us. So we, we still, we don't have a, a completely empty house, but yeah. it, it's just going through those transitions in life and looking forward to it, man. Every year is a different year, as you know. So man. every year is different challenges. You, you said it, man. You know, it's funny because I used to hear your name. I come into the National Football League in 2003 and I used to hear Roman Oban. You were, at that time, you were either through Tampa, Chicago, like I said, 12 seasons in the National Football League. You're one of the rare individuals who, you know, got that double digit, um, you know, accredited to your, to your resume. So with all of your, you know, and there's, there's so much to get into you with you just in light of you still being within the NFL ecosystem, but you've had a lot of victories. You are a Super Bowl champion yourself with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What would you say has been your career-defining moment? Um, I, I think it could be in football, out of football. What, what, what's the most meaningful career-defining moment if you had to choose one? Well, I'll say in football, it would definitely be that 2 season um, because the year before, so I was four years with the Giants, two with the Browns. You know, I, I ended up signing a, a, a deal. You know, I wanted to stay. Everybody wants to stay with the team that drafted no them. Doubt. But, you know, the money and different things and, and stuff. So they let, they let one slip. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but then you go to a team, you know, we were three and 13 one year, the next year, I think we we're like six and 10. And then, um, I signed a, you know, I signed a deal. Then I, I got cut. So mm. I was put up for the, the, as a, what do you call it? Not franchise, but, um, when the new, when the Texans came in, yeah. I got put up for the expansion draft. Okay. And so when the Texans didn't take me, then, then they, I got released. So mm. I had a microfracture surgery in February and then got released. So I'm rehabbing in Rutherford, New Jersey somewhere off of Route 17 in some 
Wow. Rinky dink like rehab place. Wow. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a good place, but like. I know what you mean. Yeah. And then, so I'm working out and getting, and trying to, without having the amenities of a facilities. And then I signed with the Buccaneers uh, really like June 1st. Mm -hmm. One year minimum veteran deal with no guarantees. Uh, and then that's the year we won the Super Bowl. And then, so when you talk about the change of your perception as a player, yeah, and you were, you know, six round pick, you end up making a big catch yourself. But like, one year you were a three and thirteen football player on a bad team. The next year you were starting left tackle in the Super Bowl, and then you don't feel differently about yourself. But then the perception of you changes. So yeah. I said that was a defining moment. But then um, I think getting traded uh, to the Buccaneers. I mean to the to the to the to the Chargers, the San Diego Chargers at the time in the 04 season. That was which was a kind of a part of Eli trade. Mm -hmm. And now as an older player, true, going to a team that hadn't won in a while, and they had this great running back who, you know, Dame Thompson, Dame he got Thompson. Drew Brees was unproven at that time, and they just drafted Phil Rivers. So mm. that team went from four and 12 in 03 to when I got there, went, uh, went 12 and four. So oh, absolutely. being now, being the veteran on a young team that's trying to win, because now I'm coming in with the experience of winning the Super Bowl. So again, that's perception. Yeah. Perception. So, um, but those are, those are great football defining moments, but obviously, with two boys, one was born in Cleveland when I played for the Browns. Okay. The other one was born in Tampa. Yeah, played for the Buccaneers. So that's always a good history. They both got two game balls with the, you know, the team gives you a game ball when your kids are born. So oh, nice. You probably got a bunch of game balls. <laughs> man, listen, New York Giants. I'm 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 due for where's the game ball? Where's the game ball? Skeebas, where y'all at? Yeah. So um, <laughs> but that's you know just going through that journey, man. And um, yeah. it, it's no, it's been great. I, I can't complain. No, that's fantastic, man. All right, so I I always got to ask every guest when they come on. All right, so. The helmet catch. Where were you? What were your thoughts or any memories associated with the helmet catch? So I was watching it. Um, that was actually my last, my last year in the league. Okay. And so we lost the to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. So um, I definitely wanted the Giants to win. <laughs> it's fantastic. Everybody is like, "Yo, I'm so glad." Yeah, because uh, that Chargers team played the Patriots. True. Uh, Ladane Thompson had a um, uh, an, M an MCL. Uh, Phil Rivers had a partial ACL. Play, mm. You know, so the Chargers kicked five field goals and lost that game. So yeah, there was one. it, it would have been Chargers and Giants in that Super Bowl. Mm. And so when uh, when you caught the catch, it was the same thing. I was like, oh, I was like, first I'm like, deal got beat. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> and then Eli steps up and gets away from him and throws it. And then it was funny. I guess it was, um, I kept looking Rodney Harrison's leg because if you don't land on his leg, that ball hits the ground. Yeah, and it's potential. And so, uh, and then Plax catches the, the touchdown. And, and one thing, I was really happy for Toom, especially because when, uh, when they lost, and I'll be super sent honest with you. So okay. I left the Giants in 99 before, when they started the Giants, and then they changed the helmets. And why? So that Ravens game, I didn't want the Giants to win that game. Oh, listen! No, that, that was Ravens one of the best moments of my life when the Giants lost that Super Bowl. Because I grew up in the, in the, I was a 49er fan. I grew oh, up in the, you know, it. that era. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think it was like Leonard Marshall that yeah. the hit was. So that was like one of my best moments ever. I'm in college and Giants got pummeled. It was fantastic. Yeah. So <laughs> when the the team lets you go and the next year they go to the Super Bowl, I mean, you're happy for your boys. I was yeah, happy yeah, for yeah. Amani Toomer and Strahan and Tiki and all those guys, but um. It's it's like seeing a team do well without you. Oh yeah, and so that was uh, that was a crazy moment. But then when I won the Super Bowl, I remember Toom was like, "Oh man, you got a ring, dude." <laughs> I was like, "Man, hey, look, man, they got rid of me. Like, what do you want me to?" Do? So, but when he won, when you guys won that no year doubt. in 07, I said, "Now 
those 86 and 90 guys can shut up. Yeah. Because I always I always felt like when I, I came to the Giants through those lean years, 96, 97, yeah. 99, and like my rookie year was 96. So that was a 10 year anniversary of the 86 team. Mm. So they came out there. We weren't very good. Dan Reeves is about to get fired. It was shining. It yeah. Looked, so they, they always would puff their chest like, you guys aren't good football <laughs> players. So when I was, I was happy for the organization. Absolutely. Now you can shake that 86 and 90, like, oh, those are the best teams ever. No, I mean, those are good teams. Those are great the, teams. And, and you know, organizations win. Oh, absolutely. So the organization found a way to get back to the Super Bowl because that's what, you know, top, and they won it again four years later. So yeah. I, I was happy. I was happy for, for the organization when they won the Super Bowl. Listen, that, those were some crazy, crazy times. You said it right. Amani Toomer, who he was in that organization, and still was. It's all about the guys next to you. So I've always been intrigued. Like, you know, you know, I think it's, it's kind of well throughout your, you know, you can find it. First Cameron, Cameroon born NFL player, right? Um, that, that must be an interesting because I was thinking about you coming to the league in 96. Now it's like this massive thing, this massive influx of Africans in the, in the, in the NFL. And it's, it's amazing how most of the, <laughs> most of the African bred players who make it to the league are like beasts. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just yeah. like, but, but short story, that's one thing that I think about. Like, what is that in, in, as a part for you? It, it was never something in your thinking because in 96, it wasn't in the conversation. No, but like, I think if you look just historically, so civil rights bill was signed like 64. Okay. I think the Immigration Act was signed like 68. So you had a lot of immigrants coming in to the States, late 60s, early 70s. A lot of the Asians came in, sure. built, built the bodegas and the corner stores sure. and the urban areas. And a lot of African, you know, were getting student visas to come to the States. So, so my generation of parents came here, we were born and then came into Africa, you know, came to the States. So I, I didn't play football till 10th grade. And oh. so when I ended up, you know, then I got moved to O-line. I'm thinking I'm a D-lineman. I'm 250 pounds. He's like, he was like, hey, we're going to, you're going to gain 50 pounds of being offensive lineman. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, my mom's like, hey, my baby's going to gain 50 pounds. So um, the way it ended up, man, and I think as a kid, you grew up, all you knew about was Krishna Koye because he represented all the that Africans. was it. And Washington yeah. just run over people with that big, high neck roll. Nigerian um, nightmare. Nigerian baby. nightmare. That was, that, he was like inspiration to all of us. He was. So, um, Until he met Steve Atwater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All running backs have their meet their maker, you know. Uh, uh, but you know that, that was that it was inspiring to me, and then and the fact that I was an old lineman, you know, and um, ended up getting drafted. And actually, my uncle's the one that told me, "Hey, you know, you're the first Cameroonian born yeah. player." And then and then someone when I got to the Giants, someone I think Hall of Fame archives or something, yeah. let me know that as well. So it just you're just grinding, and all of a sudden you just represent something that you didn't know you represented. So it, it was pretty cool. Bro, it's pretty powerful because, like I said, it's it's great to see all the ethnicities, sir. You know, I think. NFL has grown into this product where it has so much ability to amplify communities. Um, there's so many layers to your journey, right? So who who were the primary influences and motivation, right? You got the football, but I mean, number one, it's, it's clear. You Right now where you stand, even in your current career, your role and how you transition, you've, you've transitioned well. Was it always that? And who were the people who really played a role in the shaping process that, that allowed you to, you know, have the career as well as transition into some of these opportunities? You know, it, it, it was tough, man. I think you're always transitioning, number one. There we go. Um, and I got, I retired. So that 07, you're, that season, uh, now it was going into 08. And I'm like, I had one more year left. The Chargers, you know, uh, Chargers released me. Um, I had one more year left on my deal. They released me. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then you're like looking for like, okay, well, the Raiders want to sign me. Does somebody else out there need a veteran? Or, Come on, Al. Come you know, yeah, I, need, I, need, I, had, I had an ankle uh, foot injury um, that was severe. And so that training camp, I knew I was done. I did a, I did a, a coaching internship with the Ravens. That's why I knew I, did, I didn't want to coach. But I wanted to help my old O-line coach who was at Baltimore Ben when Harbaugh first got there. Okay. With that 08 draft um, with Ray Rice and, and Flacco, uh, Flacco and those guys. Nice. And so now it's summer, fall of 08, and like here comes a recession. Mm. And so I didn't think anyone was going to feel sorry for a former player trying to do something else when the whole country was losing their shirts and mortgages and housing. Yeah. And now it was a real tough stretch because mm -hmm. you wake up one day and, and it's whatever that date in September was. I looked at my financials and I'm like, what, what the heck just happened? Yeah. And then, and I wasn't the guy that wasted money and blew money in casinos and strip yeah. clubs. And I mean, that wasn't me, you yeah. know, but, um, and I mean, it, but like my financial guy was saying, listen, like you got to go, within the three to five years, you need to go try to go make a hundred grand the best way you can. Yeah. And you should be able to do that with your brain. So I started, um, that summer I collected all the business cards that I had collected over the last, you know, seven, eight years. Sure. I mean, I got, I got a Ziploc freezer bag, right? <laughs> the big one, the big gallon one. Yeah. And I just put it on the table, okay, this person can help me, this person, you know, I went through oh, all boy. of them. It was like a, almost a thousand, like an album worth. And it went. It came down to like about thirty. That I'm like, all right. It was Allison Stangaby. I called her. I say I'm back in the area because I felt some type of way about coming back to an area that I didn't play. I hadn't played in the Giants since '99. Yeah. Now it's '08, and I'm like, I didn't realize that once the Giant, always the Giant was really a thing. Yeah. And so they're like, oh yeah, you could do appearances for us. You can come back. We have a f fantasy football thing you could do with us, and we we're happy that you. Because my wife's in New York, so we, we okay. moved back in this area, and I grew up in D.C. So it was it was just a one thing leading to another. Um, I had my master's degree from Fairleigh Dickinson when I played. Excellent. Um, I was, and I, and I, again, one is that was another milestone. I was the only player in a 10 year span that finished his master's degree during my career. So I was getting, I was in grad school every off season at Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, let me I can look at the camera like, y'all don't know how hard that is. Like, that's a, a rare breed. Like the focus and intent that it takes to be successful during the season. And it's like I said, it's one thing to, to take a class, right? To finish yeah. a degree, but you actually got like yeah. I, no. It, it's, <laughs> the thing about because like I, 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 you know, I always looked at the Bardos. He was like my big brother. You know, uh, he was in he was in law. He was like, oh, I was in law school during the season. I mean, you weren't even. You were like <laughs> off season. I was like, dang, law school during the season. <laughs> and then Perry Williams was a former Giant, and then there was a I guess there was a relationship okay. with uh, Philly Dickinson because back then player, it was player development, which was what it was called. That's right. Had a program where. Every school, every NFL team has a um, a university that they designate. Like a satellite school. school, yeah, like satellite yeah. school. So, I was a fifth year senior at Louisville, and I had I already had uh, nine credits mm. um, of grad school, and I got drafted. So I was like, at least I can finish in public. There was no sports admin back then, Bro. so it was public administration. People don't even think about it. It's like you know, it's like they don't think it's possible. Why do you think that is? Like, is it? it and then we know how focused you have to be yeah. to maintain the edge. Yeah. But, you know, obviously I've worked in the player development space and my my thing is help, helping guys realize that this is actually going to stabilize your career by realizing that you're fortifying new skills yeah. and you could actually take a time to read uh, you know, three for 30 minutes or ask, get into an internship and figure out what you don't like. So yeah. what, what's your thought process I mean, like around the, you know, the current player, how this, this idea of transitioning and we're always transitioning yeah. You know, there's tons of resources available. 
They are, and and I think, and it's it's funny to to just give some clarity. Like we, you remember the the famous shut up and dribble? Oh yeah, uh, with LeBron a couple of years ago. I grew up in that era, so um, I never wanted, you know, Coach Fossil or any of those guys. You know, you know, Keith Ham. I didn't want any of those guys to think I cared about anything more than football. So. I would seven o'clock group with mother, you know, and I'd leave, I'd go change in my car. Mm. It's Cause uh, th th this started when I was getting an interview for the combine. I got you. Um, scouts were like, you care about more things than football. You pledge. You, this you're, is a you, real thing. You pledge the alpha. You're, you're, you're in a black fraternity. You're uh, you have a high GPA. Like how important <laughs> is football to you? I'm like, don't you want a smart football player? Dude? <laughs> I said, first of all, I'm an old lineman. So that you shouldn't want smart old lineman. Absolutely. Know? And so just from that scrutiny, it, it, it made me feel some type of way. Like I wasn't telling people I was in grad school. I didn't tell anybody I was doing nothing. But then when I'm in grad school, I'm in a classroom. They're like, Instead of it being, it's like, man, why are you getting your master? You should be counting your money. You should be hanging out with superstars. So it's, it's so backwards. This weird dichotomy where I was always living in two different worlds. So yeah. I'm telling people I was all these other things I was doing the off season, and then these <laughs> things I am doing, they're like question why I'm there. So um, it, it it hardened me a little bit, yeah. honestly. And so when now when I look at, so I retire, you know, 08, four five years later, here comes the trust, 2013. Here comes Legends Community. Got here it. comes all these resources. Got it. Got that, it. And I'm glad that players have all these resources now, but I think now there's a cross between here's all these resources, and now there's so much stuff that guys are confused a little bit. It's true. And then they need somebody to handhold them through all that stuff. It's true. And I think, I think the, you know, the reality is the, the, the resources are there and, and people have to aspire to be more and do more and understand yeah. that they actually can. My thing is, hey, man, you're not going to lose the edge because you're, you're the best in the world when you step, you know, the guys who get a chance to get on the green, yeah. you're the best in the world. Yeah. You're devoting a little bit of time and energy to figure out what you're not good at and hedge it. You know, that's, 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 um, it's, and, it's and just guys important. are encouraged. Play, a 25-year-old player right now is encouraged brand build. What's yes. my brand? This, at 25, it was like, your ass better play <laughs> and so you don't get cut. <laughs> that, was, that, was my, that was our lives back then. It's so. true. It's true. Yeah. It is yeah. a different world. And, yeah. and, and, the, and the current players should be celebrated because they're, they're, they, they have more information and they're using it. What would you say has been, you know, like, you're, you're a leader, in, in a, especially in the sports space. What, what has been your greatest frustration in the leadership journey? Uh, I think when you when you come from playing sports, when everything is black and white, like you prepare for the Cowboys and you win or you lose, you reevaluate and you, you, then you line up again. Yeah. In the real world, there's just a lot of shades of gray, man. <laughs> and there's a lot of shades of positioning and, and some of that stuff yeah. that that's really not who we are, you know. And that's why a lot of former players do better in sales. There you go. In those type of roles where, mm -hmm. okay, here's my sales territory. I'm going to go sell my medical equipment. I'm going to go. I mean, this is. I, I got a hundred accounts. I did well in seventy of them. I'm yeah. on the next thirty. Then I'm gonna redo it again, bro. But in that whole positioning world, like we don't know that world, man. man. That's the hardest part about leadership. We, you said perfectly. I kind of have similar frustrations, and um, that, I had a great, great experience at the NFL office. And I'm and I'm pro NFL. I'm pro NFL PA um, because people are working hard, and it's not an easy task to no. to bring opposite sides together with two different interests. And I think the resources are there and there's a lot of consideration for our community. But the positioning, being like when you're a guy that's proven, like yourself, you're not full of ego. Everybody's got working out their own stuff. You, you, you actually expect to kind of get in there and everybody's moving toward a common goal and you yeah. recognize it. Like I care about doing well and I know you care about doing well, but 
But yeah. now you're in a meeting like, do I need to listen today? Do I need to be Samuel Jackson today in the room? <laughs> yeah. Do I need to be Brian Gumbel and, and just let, let them have it? And then not, not, like, especially as a black male, you gotta you, you gotta pull out which which Roman do I need to be today for this. And situation. then the big black male, you know, especially when you're yeah. in different environments yeah, where man. you could just be threatening, and even like not racist threatening, yeah. meaning people don't know how to respond. Yeah. You know, like yeah. man, that's no, that's that's definitely because you know I'm gonna be six four, two hundred eighty pounds every time I walk in a room. Yeah, and so and I own that. No that, doubt, but like I can't worry about you. You feel uncomfortable because I'm. Because I'm me. Yeah, like I, that's not my problem. That's your problem. You yeah, know, but, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. But, it's, but we've been through both. We've both been through that. So you, I know you get it for sure. Bro, I totally get it. I, I'm glad you talked because it, it is a common conversation in traditional business environments. We talk about positioning because yeah. positioning isn't a bad thing, but it can create unhealthy culture when you have you know yeah. tons of ego and impure motives. And everything doesn't work the same for everybody. Everything, every rule doesn't apply to the same people. There you go. Yeah. It's, and most most people, football kind of shows you that, right? Because you have superstars, you have people who, you know, they, they have a little bit more leash. Yeah. And, you know, and you kind of understand that, whereas in our world of equality and what people believe about equality, it creates a lot of challenges, man. Um, you, you talked about some of the frustrations or, or some of the challenges and, you know, even emotionally. Was there anything that you weren't prepared for transitioning out of the NFL? The only thing I wasn't prepared for, well, so it was summer, it was summer of 08, and we know we're going to church. Um, yeah. It's like that week of July 25th when training camp starts. And then, um, and I think I, I've said this publicly, like, and I just start crying. We're just driving to church. My wife said, what, what the hell? You know, I was like, I'm just, I'm not, there's nothing to prepare for. Like, I'm either yeah. like, I'm trying to fight off a first round pick. I'm trying to fight off. Am I gonna make the team this year? I mean, I'm always trying to fight for something. I was like, there's nothing really to fight for like that. I didn't, I didn't have an enemy. And for 12 years of my life, I always had an enemy. And, and I always had the same Albany, the same shirt, the same yeah. shirt I wear. You know, Olam, you had to wear the same shirt every no day doubt. just to be nasty. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever that ritual was, like that, you were always ready for a fight. And then there was nothing to fight anymore. Ooh. So then I started being competitive about everything. So yeah. like, if you had to get the schools to the bus at 7.30, I'm there at 7.15. So yeah, I'm going to be the first dad at the school bus. <laughs> or I'm going to be the, the parent that signs up for everything. Or I'm going to be the... <laughs> like I just started creating all these competitions with everything I was doing and it, and it really wasn't healthy. Mm. It was like, okay, like stop trying to prove yourself all the time. Mm. Um, so some of that competitiveness, I think it's, it's healthy in football, but it's, sure. it's, it's unhealthy sometimes if you try to manage your whole life by Tom Coughlin's itinerary and, and no where doubt. you need to be at every minute. And, and Five, all, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Man, to that, that thing hit home, you know, so you know, we talking about real, real, real players, but ultimately real men. And I think we all get unmasked in regard to the, 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 it's not, I wouldn't even call it traumatic because my identity wasn't so deeply rooted as a player. It was, it was just some areas that I wasn't prepared for that, you know, it's like when you go from being the best at something to, oh snap, what am I going to be? What am I even good at? Right. Yeah. Cause that takes intention. That takes repetition. That's all the things that it took for you to be the best in the world as a player you go into a world now and you have to determine how you're going to be just as good in your mind. Yeah, I wanted to say too, um, Stacey Robinson, mm. I would say from the PA, rest he, in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. He, he, was a, he, was a, he was a mentor of mine because um, he gave me the best advice. Really? And he said that- you, uh, yeah, I'm about to say, give it, give it to us. You know, he said that, that, that sometimes it's okay to know what you don't want to do. And, and, and as a player, you're always looking for that. It's like you're waiting for the parade of this great float. It's like, 
okay, I, I and, and sometimes some guys can do everything well. Okay, well, maybe you do all medical sales. Well, here, no one showed me that path. Maybe you're doing commercial real estate. Yeah. And at some point, you didn't know what that was going to be. Sure. Um, and and Stacy said, look, just you may have to just take a job making forty five thousand dollars and just learn what to do and then grow and then that'll lead you to something else and 40 yeah. becomes 60, becomes 80, becomes 120, becomes 150. I mean, oh. and, it, and he said, it's gonna take you five to seven years after football. Well, I, I said, five to seven years? <laughs> I said, I'm thinking about 18 months. <laughs> and so he was right though. So from 08 to like 2013, that's about how long it took. And yeah. every, every year was like an evolution of the, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I wrote a blog um, and uh, it was in the Washington Post. Uh, oh, fantastic. Uh, it was six days, two lives, two deaths. So that May of 2012, I said, Junior Seau commits suicide. Mm. Stacey Robinson dies the same week. And oh, then I wow. wrote a blog and I said, everyone's like, Junior's a CTE. But I'm like, Stacey Robinson. I said, when the Stacey Robinson's retire or the Roman Ovens and Dave Tyrese, the guys that fight their way for seven, eight years, or, like, no, there's no, there's, there's no, not even a blurb on ESPN. It's like the life moves on. So, we still got to go lead our families and stuff like that. And, you know, I get big respect. She was talking about it because like, that's real stuff. Like that's we all got to pick up our lives when, when the machine goes on and that's right. there's another 72 Jersey. Yeah. There's another 83 or 85 Jersey and where, yeah. and then, and, and that, and you got to still do with your life. So yeah. that's, that's the part that they don't show you in a, in a manual. Man, I, I, I get chills because that, that's the meaning. Like when I think about what makes a great team, a great team, of course, the focal point will always be on the superstars, yeah. but it really is, the guys who have the resolve to understand, like, you know, I knew well, I knew my role within within my team and throughout my career as a special teams player. I was a I was a stabilizer. You need the base of your of of players like that, players yeah. like Roman Owen, who are going to be consistent. You're a starter. You were, you know, like you 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 had ascended through the ranks and earned those rights. But it was it, it wasn't a guy that was you know super sexy, right? And they are the less celebrated, but they're actually the guys that that form the foundation of great teams. Yeah. So um, when you think about the Stacey Robinsons and how these players and their legacies, is, you know, when we talk about the legacy of a great team is because you have the character and the DNA yeah. of, of these guys who understand their roles, right? It's powerful, man. It's just powerful stuff, man. Um, so help us understand, right? Like, cause there's, there's, I think there's a lot that goes along. I know there's a, gen a lot that goes along with your with your responsibility. What are your primary responsibilities in your current role? And, um, how, you know, just, just not a state of the union, but like, you know, how did you find yourself here? Cause you know, I feel like you, you when you were talking about f finding your way through the five years, I'm like, man, Roman open more popular in Montclair, New Jersey than I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, <laughs> they get out of me in Montclair, man. I got to coach football. I'm showing up at people's events. Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, I'm like, uh, if there's a, I, could, I could be having 20 things to do and there's a game on the field. I am pull over. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in there for about a half. <laughs> but it's really because you've been that, you've been that active. You've earned the right by way of, when I think about football development, you've been in around the game at every layer actively involved. Yeah. And, and obviously you've been a dynamic professional involving and being credible in the marketplace. So like, you know, give us just a general idea of what that role entails and what your responsibilities are leading your team. So I, I came in the league office uh, of 2014, um, uh, like fall of 14, uh, fall winter 14. And then- uh, Yeah, I came uh, out, you, you came in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I'll, I'll go back. I have a story about that too before, uh, after this. Um, uh, director of player health and safety, you know, the concussion discussion was, was really at, at a point where former players were saying they'd never, they wish they didn't play football, the concussion law, all that stuff was going on. So mm. they needed to just reshape the way they talked about 
concussions in youth football because there was a fear that people weren't going to play football in 20 years. Sure. That the game was going away. So we did research on participation. We shared that research with all the clubs. And then I helped create a different way of talking to all the clubs, more specifically about football-driven initiatives. So mm -hmm. there, was, there was CR and everything was generally under community relations. Sure. And so I helped pull that away, youth football away from CR, okay. where it's engaging the youth, high school community, and engaging coaches. And so I helped um, create a strategy so every NFL team, similar to the player engagement person, sure. every NFL team's youth person, like Ethan at the Giants or sure. whomever, um, kind of, we do the yearly summits, we do all those things. So I helped build that at the league office. Excellent. And then um, from a broader football development standpoint, I also have college relations under me. So how we talk to colleges, you've done some speeches sure. at Boston College, at Syracuse and those yep. kind of places. Um, uh, we built a, a, e, a digital platform about educating the student athletes about the, about the draft, about draft preparation. But because, because of social media, you could be ho humming along at Cuse. Here comes an agent DMing you. Oh, I can get you in the first round if you leave this year. You know, so there's a lot of information out there, and at some point, the student athlete doesn't trust the school anymore. Mm. And so we try to come in and say, "This is the real. This this information is is available to everybody, not just this agent okay. reaching out to you." The numbers are slotted in terms of finance salary. Whatever the third round pick made at 66 pick overall, which was me. Yeah. The next one is going to make about seven percent more than that. So there's no just taking the guesswork out. Yeah. And then and then there's also responsibility with all the partners, the Gatorade, Nike, and sure, and making sure that they're driving um, the deliverables on their sponsorship have a youth or high school carve out in them, so that everyone is Wilson. Riddell, so everyone, so just kind of managing all that. Yeah. Um. So depending on the day, I got ten different jobs. You man. be busy, bro. Yeah, you busy. Yeah. High high level, high level. Um, what what would you see like in light of that? You know, you know, hanging out with you <clears throat> recently, if um myself, Bardos. What do you say is the greatest needs today for the current athlete? Like you're in this space, the the world has changed. Technology play, has played a role. Parents have played a role. The machine of of and what the product has become. What is what is like some of the base level needs for these guys who are evolving as high performing athletes? Well, I think it's it's when because when I got done, so oh eight oh nine, you know, and I'm then like me, Sam Madison, like Tum, and all, when we all got done, now it's twenty ten, and we're trying to figure it out. Sure. And it's funny. So five years later, here comes deal. Cruise is done. Here comes um, a man, uh, safety. I forgot his name. Lord Jesus. Uh, um, not 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 uh, Dion. Um, others. Uh, some uh, roll roll. Oh, and trail. Yeah, and trail. So that now 2015, 2016. So when I saw these guys coming out, um, I said, "Look, just first of all, make sure your finances are in order. Yeah, make sure your taxes and things that you signed up for. Just take a year, just evaluating everything, mm -hmm. and then secondly." Think about what you're passionate in. Yeah. And then and there used to be this path where, and I bought into it, oh, I'm gonna do TV for ESPN and make four or $500,000 and, and just kind of do that. No, yep. but like everybody doesn't get those those opportunities. <laughs> it's sure no. And then I made a decision like, I'm not gonna let who I was as a player determine what I do off the field because it does become a popularity contest on that. 100% media. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys are walking off the field and getting multi-million dollar jobs based on who they were because you're a quarterback. Because yep. you're, and God bless them. If you can get that bag hey, that, on hey, TV, go we, get we it. Ain't, we yeah, ain't. No, I mean, go, like, get it, go get it. Go get it. But <laughs> I think... It is, um, it, it is a name brand. Yeah, and but you need to start somewhere and then 
say where do I need to be in three to five years? You know? Excellent. And some people believe in vision boards and all that stuff, but just <laughs> hold yourself accountable about how you're moving within that two, three years after football. Because sure. we both know guys that went through their career, no issues, and then, you know, here comes the divorce, here comes the financial issues, yes. here comes trusting the wrong people. Yeah. All the things you didn't pay attention catches up to you. Here comes you signed something, now you get sued. I'm like, oh, wait, now why am I getting sued? Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, so I just say players got, yeah, players are making a lot more money, but sure. at the rate of which you can make a bigger mistake financially. Yeah. I mean, yes, my first house in Clifton cost 175. Yep. Today's house is 900,000, you know, so I made a $175,000 mistake. A, a, a recently retired guy can make a million dollars. I mean, it's still relatively about the same. But you just got to make sure you're really paying attention to things that you may not have paid attention to. Sure. Right after, right when, within that immediate year to two when football's over. Definitely having the right expectations. And even, like I said, even for the emerging, you know, like these, these young guys who are 22, they have different challenges coming into the league, yeah. you know, I talk about, I think self-awareness self is the highest priority for, for emerging generation. I mean, like, I, I called self-awareness my superpower. I mean, like, the only reason why I got into the NFL is because I got to college and I was able to say I'm good, but some of these guys are just more talented than me. Like, you know, some, sometimes the athlete mindset, you have to believe so much in yourself and your ability yeah. that it creates a, a little bit of a blindness toward how good you really are. And so... Um, what, what, what do you say for, like, I think we spoke to some of these guys for the, for the guys who are the legends, right? We have, a, like I said, there's so many different, I, I, I'm, I'm, me and you, we kind of on the same wavelength in relation to, there's a practical element that, that, that we all can do. Yeah. We all have had some measure of a head start by virtue of, of, of our experiences in the National Football League and maybe the resources, right? Not everybody has the flashy career, not everybody has a helmet catch. I can't help you, right? Like, yeah. not everybody has a 12-year career. But a lot of us, two, three years in, there starts to be a well of resources. So the NFL legend, whether you're, you know, what what do you what would you say are the most some of those most practical steps and how how we can provide talking about planning, preparation, having right expectations, you know, like what's what's what are the most immediate things that, that, that our community can do to continue to evolve, grow, and establish success? I think you need to just make sure you know that you don't have to choose one resource over another. Uh, it doesn't have to be the trust versus what the Legends community is doing. It doesn't have to be the PA versus what the NFL. Now, like, like whatever 800 number can help you, especially now with mental health, <laughs> some of those. You yes. Get 12, you get 12 free um, visits with the mental health person under Sigma. Under, ev for every issue. This is this is a powerful yeah. conversation. In the per middle. member of your household. The, per member of your household. The NFL resources are like never ending. I yeah. tell people all the time. If you got seven kids and a wife, that's what, nine, 28? I, I missed my Sigma. That's 36 PPL. issues. <laughs> you know, that you can, you can, you know, so um, there's yeah. that. There's also... Um, I'm going to come under your house because I, I missed my signet PPO. Oh, you know what I'm saying? They got the, with the new CBA, they, they had <laughs> some stuff that they put back in, like Preferred Hospital Network. Yeah. And those things. Um, and, and, and also just, I mean, I have a free YMCA membership because of the trust. That YMCA mm. on Park Street? Yes, sir. I don't have the gym membership anymore because I, I didn't pick it back up after the pandemic. I, I do my Peloton stuff. Yeah. And then I go to the YMCA two, two, two nights a week whenever I can get there. Um, so there's resource available, and then once you scrub everything available, and even NFL alumni. There you go. There's percentages off in certain services. You get free golf lessons. Yeah. You almost need to create a matrix of things that are available to you. Sure. And figure out what works against what your activity level is and what you really need. Yeah. Because it can become confusing. So true. I think that's the, 
And and don't ever be afraid to call a former teammate. Hey man, this this pension stuff, man. What do you what do you? Hey man, don't be afraid to ask somebody for help. And that's sure. something we don't. That other <laughs> our, we we either suck it up and don't say don't go to the doctor. Message. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> call your brothers up. Somebody knows sure, something. I mean, and yeah. and this is this. Although we're, we're we're speaking specifically about you know the sports community, but this is for everybody, right? Like when we when we get out of the headspace of the allure of sports, this is how humans tend to operate. Yeah there are typically a little bit more resources, which if I'm partnering with somebody, I want to partner with resourceful people, right? Resourcefulness is actually a skill, right? Being able to find resources that are available. It's like a college kid looking for scholarships. Yeah. Like, you know, so people many get people- get paid to like look for grants. And I mean, there are companies that look for that look, on behalf pay of people. people to look for grants yeah. and write grants. Yeah. So like when we talk about the, the, the real world, the reality is most of these resources are available, mental health resources, um, you know, transition resources, but ultimately it's about a phone call. You know, who would you, like, who's within your ecosystem? Because, you know, you're, I, I, I value you as a leader, as a mentor, um, even though, like I said, we're not so far stretched, but when, I, 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 I love people who are kind of like, they, hope, they know their value, but they don't have so much ego where it's like, okay, this might take some time. So that's what when I saw you from a distance coming back into the into the into the area, I'm like man, this dude's just grounded, you know. And I always loved it. So yeah, I appreciate that, bro. Who, who was who, who? Like I said, you you mentioned Stacy King. Is there anybody else? Is your, is it your wife? Because I I think it's really so important to to for people to identify the people who are adding that value. Yeah. Because none of us become who we are apart from significant others. Yeah. No, I I, I definitely recognize my wife Linda. She was uh my last year in the league. You know, she started law school. So she's preparing for the bar. I mean, the East. LSAT and all that stuff. And and then she ended up becoming a, she was a prosecutor for nine years um, in Hudson County. And then she's um, works at a firm now in Newark. So I think, you know, she delayed graduating from college the traditional way and, and all that for me. So I had to return and, and support her as a law school. St- so I'm going through transition at 08, 09, 10. Yeah. She's in law school. Freaking love it. So, um, I was transitioning and serving my family because that's your number one. There you go. Is to serve your family. There you go. And make sure your kids are good. And I think one thing about the football, the sports business, it, it doesn't lend well to like the family environment, you know. And I think most people yeah. go to work, come home seven o'clock, have the, you know, like that's it's so great to hear you say that yeah, though. Like we're, sometimes we're afraid. We feel they they feel like we're bashing. It's like no, we just have an unhealthy culture of yeah. hard work yeah. that kind of it exposes. Yeah. Some liabilities, you know, I, marriages and yeah, children. I, I played for coaches that <laughs> slept in the office and their families suffered for that. Yep. And But I also played for coaches that, look, family's more important than any of this stuff. But then there don't take it for granted, you know. There so you go. There's a balance there. It is. Um, and so nothing is going to be worth, nothing will be worth my kids at 25, 30 years old looking at me and I'm 70 to my, oh, dad, you didn't prepare me for this. So you, yeah. You you focus on yourself and not on us. And, and now my, my life is messed up because you want you, no, nah, I don't. I don't want that on my on my on my on my uh, on my head, man. I don't want that, Coach. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you have to. Yeah, no, but my, my wife is important, instrumental. But I think I was always um, I was never afraid to like just be out there, man. And I think mm. I didn't I didn't look to other people because sometimes you know you get to a point where you know I don't know if this sounds right, but like when you realize Santa Claus isn't real and and you need, you got to like more look inward versus looking towards someone to help. Excellent. Like if you need information, I got you on information. But yeah. sometimes guys need 
the information plus you to do it for them plus you to show them how, <laughs> no bro like i can't give you from 08 to 22 you gotta do you gotta find your own journey you know but Boy. i can give you the path of Absolutely. what i did and if it works for you it works for you but i give guys a lot of i give guys a lot of advice and they just go do something else anyway and i yeah. they get come back six months later I said, well, did you do that? No, nah, man. No, nah, man. You know, my bad, man. I didn't even follow up on that. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> and this, this is, so it, it's- And I'm good. not bashing nobody. No, this like, ain't no bash. This is, yeah. I think we got to be honest about our community. Yeah. Is that we have been served well and it hasn't served us yeah. well, right? It's kind of like when you're so good at something, that's where the overcompensation and it ends up maybe undercutting some of the grip yeah. that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's like the, the Bart Oates of the world. I mean, like, their off seasons were different. These guys worked in the off season. Yeah. The, the resource weren't there. That the league wasn't what it was back yeah. then. So they were they were real men. I yeah. tell you. And and we're arriving. The the product is so immense. The resources are there. Where football's all year round business. And so we have more boys. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's no. The best quote I've heard uh, from someone in office. There's no work life balance. It's only work life integration. Like Ooh. so, how do you integrate? Ooh your family, and, and I'm, you can't be at every single thing your kids have at school, nor, yep. nor do you need to be at every meeting that you're on an email in. So you gotta figure out how, how that integrates so you're still being yourself, and you're not chasing the event or chasing the activity, and you, you still have some control over your life. So that's, that's the advice I would give, man, more than anything. Like, integrate everything in a way that you still control what you can control so you can feel good about how you're serving. Powerful. So I. Uh all right, so boom, we actually, we got back on this. I got to get this story from you. So I, I move out of the league office in, in 2014, take the Giants, and you move over to the, to the NFL office. Yeah. What was rocking over there? I, I remember I remember when, when Charles Way came over there. It was, it was, so, it was an interesting <laughs> situation. I submit my, res my resume to, to Troy Vincent, the HR, and then Jerry Reese calls me. He said, look, C-Way just went to um, the league office. You know, we have a player engagement position. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about you and one other guy um, who would be good. You know, you, you know, we watched the way you moved, the way you, you know, I did was doing TV radio for the Giants at that point. And I was like, I was like, look, I, I don't, at the, at the age I was then, so I'm 42. Sure. I said, I just, I don't know if that's how I want to serve right now. I was like, but, I said, like, but I think, I think Dave Tyree would be an excellent person for that role. Like, honestly, and it's like, and, and I know that's the only other person you're thinking about. He goes, yeah, you're right. I said, well, I need to make a decision. You know, training camp starts next week. I'm like, Jerry, I'm not on your schedule. I don't, I don't work. I don't. You're not my GM anymore. You just call me. You need to make a decision by tomorrow. I'm like, call, legendary. Yeah, so call DT up, man. He's gonna do do a great job. <laughs> Fantastic, bro. So he was, uh, yeah. And then and then and then you became the um, and then I I ended up so you left, went to the Giants, and I ended up in the office. So that was fantastic. Yeah, so bro. it was crazy. I, I don't know if I ever told you that story. No, never, never, <laughs> yeah. never. Hey, listen, it, that that's the stuff that means the most to me as a as an individual when somebody can speak to you as a person and as a professional yeah. and say he can get the job done for you. So, um, like I said, for for both of us, we've been a part of some amazing organizations. We've been uh, within championship caliber culture. And we've definitely taken the grind route, but with gratitude disposition. So, man, man, I just, I, I really want to honor you, salute you, man. Congratulations on the work that you continue to do. And um, la last question I'll give, is, or i ask is, what do you want to be the defining legacy of Roman Ob? One, I was a servant. Honestly, I served my family. I, ser I, I believed in what I was doing. Um, and then I was, I just... I think you just have to create disciplines in your life and then family, yourself, how you manage. I mean, all those disciplines and that creates, and that you strive for greatness. Yeah. So 
hopefully I was a disciplined person. Uh, I was someone you could rely on. And then I was a servant. I mean, that's, if you could say that in two lines on my tombstone and whatever, maybe small <laughs> fonts or something, hopefully that, that that's, that's what they say about me. Man, you, you, you've paved a pathway. You're certainly getting great done. And thank you for checking in and catching a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Roman Oban, this guy is paving a pathway for the culture within the NFL ecosystem. I need y'all to listen up, continue to check in, but even more so, like, subscribe, share these bars. This is about life, the process, the journey. You heard even some of the real pain, the real experiences that we're going through as humans, but every single one of us, we're determined and we're destined to get great things done. Thank y'all for tuning in with Catch the Moment Podcast. Tune in, we'll talk to you soon.